Hello everyone and welcome to Man Up, the men's mental health podcast. This is the first podcast of 2019. Woohoo! Wow, welcome back. My name is Andy Richardson and sitting next to me is the statuesque <laughs> Tommy Dankor. How are you, sir? I'm doing really well. Thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. I missed you. Oh, did you? I missed you, mate, over oh, Christmas and New Year. I didn't miss you at all. I, you, know, <laughs> you had a good time, didn't you? You had a good time. Yeah, I'm really good. How have you been? How was your Christmas? Well, I'll be, uh, yeah, I ate a lot of things that I don't normally eat. Mm-hmm. Um, I drunk thing, things that I don't normally drink. And, uh, but on the flip side, I had a very good time. I had a lot of family time. I know just before uh, cr- Christmas, we had that thing where we went out onto the streets and we spoke to all those men and, and we said, what makes them happy mm-hmm. over Christmas? What what would they like over Christmas? I got that ideal Christmas. I got that Lovely. lots of time with the family, played a lot of rummy, you know, the old card, the card <laughs> yes, game. Yes. Um, I didn't get many presents. Did but you get socks? I got loads of great socks, actually. Got loads and some pants. But mum, if you're listening to this, um, which she probably won't be, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have the heart to tell you, but you got me, the box of shorts you bought, you bought me were, were small. And I know I'm quite a small. All but... right, here we go. All right, mate. <laughs> I was going to put this on the podcast. You got me small. Definitely not small, mum. I'm not saying that I'm like, you know, Mr. Uh, left arm donkey man or something, but I think I think I've sort of got slight oh. slight middle aged spread and and so the small are very very tight. It's more of a waist thing than the amount of uh, appendage hanging out the front. Oh. Sorry about that. First podcast of I'm 2019, saying, and we've gone straight onto the genitalia. You've just fully set the tone for the podcast for the rest of the year, haven't you? Yes. Well, uh, look, they, as I say, the only way is up, listeners. So hopefully, yeah, man there'll up. be a bit more content than. Andy's pants. Yeah, yeah. And then what's how, in them? <laughs> and how about you? Did you did you have a good time? Did the boys like like their presents and things like that? Yeah. You, do you know what? Um, again, my wife and I we had such a nice Christmas. And um, one of the guys at the Christmas thing said, you know, the stages of Christmas is you believe in Father Christmas, you don't believe in Father Christmas, you become Father Christmas. You, you are. Look, for... You look like Father Christmas. Oh, that's it. You become. You are Father Christmas. Then you look like. Yeah. I'm definitely in the I've become Father Christmas. So right. doing all the things for you know the the flower around the shoe prints to make it look like there's snow for the kids. Um it was perfect. Like it really was nice. Just relaxed. Nice. We ate loads. We put no the key thing, we didn't put any stress or pressure on ourselves. We were just like, yeah. look, we've got an open house. If anyone wants to come around, you're welcome. Um, I think we we planned to go over and see my mum, took the kids over so she could sort of see them and Oh no, it was just it was lovely. And I had a first vegan Christmas as well. Nice, yeah. nice. As as my dad would say, what? What you got roast carrot? Roast carrot for <laughs> for for what, what did you have? That's yeah, roast carrots basically. <laughs> no, I, I made I made a nut roast and I made a mushroom Wellington. Oh wow, a Wellington out of mushrooms. It was actually really that's nice. Amazing. It, you don't look convinced. You're sort of like No, wow. no, no, no. No, I don't well, I'm not a that's, massive that's sort of mushroom gross. person. <laughs> no, 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 it sounds good, man. It's it sounds good. Yeah. I, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Mm. I was pleasantly surprised. And well, as this isn't a um a cooking podcast, I, I guess I guess 
Um, enough waffling on. We we need to. We've we've got a lot of work to do. This is 2019. We've got you know onwards and upwards. We we started at the end of last year. And, Foundation's been set. Yeah, yeah, and and already, ladies and gentlemen, we have got many amazing guests line up lined up, which is uh, very exciting. And hopefully this podcast will go on from strength to strength because uh, the, the feedback that I've got, that people actually quite like it. I mean, yeah. you know, it's mainly friends that are listening to it, <laughs> but the odd member of public. Uh, but um, Well, look, you say that though, but the amount of sort of emails and stuff that we've received and calls, I know last a few months I might have over-exaggerated it a bit, but we've got some really, you know, a lot of people have contacted us and want to be on the show and want to talk to us and it's it's really good we're doing something good here yeah something really good yeah and and also mental health is not uh obviously not going away anywhere and it's definitely not um coming coming off the news as well i mean there's been there's been loads of stuff in in, in the news about me mental health recently about um the amount of funding that goes into it and and, and that sort of thing so so um this really is a cutting edge podcast podcast of we are on the pulse yeah people. we are on the pulse so anyway so so this week um is well i mean because uh it's fairly new i think every, every week is is quite unique but this week is 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 unique for a very special reason because we are a men's mental health podcast but dun 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 <laughs> We've had women on the show. We've we've interviewed women. We've had women on the show. What is going on? It's 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 our our our, our USP has gone out the window. It might as well just be, it might oh, as well just be general. All. Yeah. So basically, what you're saying, Andy, is that man up has gone tits up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm here all week. I'm here all week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, tits up. I guess. Well, yes. Uh, you, well, you said that. I didn't say that. But um, no, yes. throw me under the bus. Yes, I did say <laughs> that. I did. But, I did. But anyway, no, no. We we aren't we aren't asking women women about their mental health problems. Although some of that does cr crop up mm. as you're here. What we're doing is we're we're talking to women that have had uh, relations. Well, in in the case of the two people that we so so so. Let me explain. Um, I have gone back during Christmas and and uh, spoken to an old friend of mine whose brother uh, committed suicide. And um, she wanted to she contacted us, actually, because she wanted to talk about it and, and, and talk about how um, men, men's mental health, male suicide can affect the people around them. Um, and at the same time, uh, one of uh, Tommy's relations, uh, well, you ex explain, she's yeah, reached so, out to you as well. Yeah, exactly. So someone uh, that I know very well and um, has had a brother who's been diagnosed with a serious mental health issue. And um, she, yeah, she was really honest and open and spoke to us about, again, the the effect that it does have on the rest of the family, you know, and like living with somebody who has a mental health issue and yeah it was um quite insightful and just to see how people are dealing with it and an insight into how the healthcare system provides for them and stuff like that so yeah it's really eye-opening yeah very emotional as well actually yeah like yeah and and, and also we, we we try and touch upon the 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 culture of 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 silence amongst men talking about mental health and 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 obviously the, the ripples and the effects that that may have 
on on close family female family members as well so so uh, yeah quite a heavy start to the year really um but we we don't shy away from the from the tough issues do we we well, want listen we've set ourselves up now um we've put ourselves in a position where people are going to ask questions people want to know and like you know we've said it before we owe it to people now to maintain and to continue and not to sort of sugarcoat and stuff you know doesn't mean we're not going to still have a laugh every now and then you know but you yeah. know it's real and it is real and the more we talk about it the better it is fact yeah excellent okay so um we're gonna, we're gonna. So we pre-recorded both of those. So we, we're gonna, we're gonna play those for you. And um, okay, here okay. we go. Okay, so I'm down in Essex, my place of birth, and uh, seeing an old friend of mine who got in touch with us called Dawn. Hello, Dawn. Hello, Andy. And um, she's, uh, she got in touch with us because she had. Well, we were talking about various issues on men's mental health and. Dawn obviously isn't a man, but um, <laughs> I don't think so anyway. Not last Ro- time I looked yeah, um, Okay. And uh, just, just checking. And um, <laughs> she sort of brought to light quite an interesting point, really, that it being a men's mental health podcast, women are affected by men who have had mental health problems. So we thought we'd try and approach it from that angle. So, um, Dawn um, has a, a very sort of tragic and a very interesting story to tell. So we, we're going to we're going to go down that path. So can you tell me a little bit about your brother? What was he like? Um, he was we used to fight like cat and dog when we were small. But as we grew, we became um, a good friend. He became um, yeah a good friend. And he was someone who I was very close to. So um he was a family man. He um, was very loving, um, very outgoing, and to everybody, the outside world would think that he had no cares in the world. So um, yeah, he um, he was a very very outgoing uh, man. Right on the outside. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And as with a lot of people who are very very outgoing, <clears throat> you know, they, people say tears of a clown or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know that. People often sort of um, over overcompensate yep. for stuff that's going on inside, and and so um, growing up, tell us a little bit about uh, yours and 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 his background, sort of growing up, family life, and that sort of thing. Family life, we had a very very loving family, um, normal normal family. Two, you know, mum and dad, three kids. I was the youngest; he was the middle. He always had a chip on his shoulder because he always thought that, uh, you know. He was being left out of stuff, but um, it wasn't the case. Um, and yeah, as I say, we were kind of like chalk and cheese, and used to fight like cat and dog, but always there for each other. In fact, I remember a time when um, someone was picking on me at school, and um, um, but I I got home and um, someone had basically hurt me on the way home, and he was out the door like a shot trying to find them. So. You know, typical sibling relationship, really. Um, and as we grew up, um, as he we grew up and he kind of moved out and had his own family, that's when we kind of got closer. Um, I think having that distance between you um, makes you grow closer. And I actually, you know, got had a really good relationship with him um, as you know as we became adults, really. Um, right. Very loving family, as I say. My mum had um, mental health issues, 
um she um she had depression um which happened when I was nine she when when I say happened she had a a, a crisis she had a mental breakdown and me and my brothers were I was taken I well, I went to live with my aunt for a while and my brothers went to live with an uncle um and it was very very difficult obviously seeing your mother completely change her personality at that time in your life when you know you would you need you need your mum there um but she she got better in the end we did go to visit her in in hospital and that was horrific so it probably mm. had a an impact on all of us mm-hmm. um were there any signs of that when you were growing up um that your, your mum sort of um there was for me oh what for my mum what having a breakdown or, before, or the before, impact on me well not not sort of the impact but i mean did you did you um like you know i'm talking about when you and your brother were growing up mm. was it a quite a stable family life yeah it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah there was well, my it was what it was. I mean, yeah. my dad was disabled, but he had he he carried on as normal. He you know he went out to work and things like that. And um, yeah, until that uh, that was the point when I look back that the you know things started to to change and look and and were different. And it was a big shock to us all. I think when Mum had a breakdown because we we didn't really see any signs. There was normal tensions growing up, but as a kid, you you don't notice it so did you talk to your brother about it i mean you say when <clears throat> you, you know when you're growing up your typical siblings you mm-hmm. know you'll be rivals and 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 you got you you became closer after you left the house did you ever how did you cope with your mum's breakdown with your brother and that did you talk much about it not when we no not when we were kids no um not after it happened we um i think as children you tend to just accept things and um you just have to go with with what's happening and you don't know any different Mm -hmm. really you don't know that your life is any different to anybody else's which it is but you just you just get on with it and you know and I think we all tried to bury it to be honest with you because I know I did I know I certainly did and I would have you know, I actually went for a time of depression myself when I was 14. I didn't realise it, but I can now look back and say I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from, you know, witnessing what we did. Um, yeah, and a part of it is as well. I think a lot of it is a bit is hereditary as well. Yeah. It's that nature-nurture debate, isn't it? It's. Um, I think some of it is inherent, but I think a lot of it is some of the things you've seen too. So it affected me, but I didn't tell anyone. So mm. I don't expect my brother to have told anybody if it did affect him. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a frog in my throat. So um, part of the cult, the culture, um, I mean, I'm just trying to ascertain around um, around the time that, you know, the, the maybe a, a couple of years before the incident was, 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 how was his life? I mean, had he, had he, did he have a sort of family and that, that sort of thing himself? Had he moved on and he had a, a job and that sort of that sort of thing. What before he yeah. took his own life? Yeah, yeah. He he had um, he he did have a family, um, and he was um, he, he was living at home with my mum, so it didn't work. That that wasn't a good time. I don't really want to go into too much right. Okay, into that because 
that's not my story to tell. But yeah. he, um, he, but he certainly had a really good relationship with his children. Definitely, right? Definitely. But it wasn't a straightforward um, life, if you, for want of a better word. He was still li- he he came back to live with my mum. Right. Okay. And did he have many friends? Yep. To- he did have lots of friends. Yeah, he was, um, you know, he was a he was a, a, an adventure scout. He went out, and um, you know, he got um, oh Duke of Edinburgh award and things like that. And he was a plasterer. He had a really good job. Um, so yeah, he was out there. He was active. He was going out and and doing stuff. And as I say, he was just normal just a normal bloke really i mean lots of people have got ups and downs in their lives and things like that and relationships break down and whatever but you know to to the outside world he was just getting on getting on with things and coping quite well so we thought yeah so do you think um part of the he had lots of friends plasterer from from essex you know Mm. i'm just thinking cliches my dad's a builder do you think (laughs) do you think it was a do you think um the sort of friends the support network that he had do you think do you think do you feel like he could he he would have felt a bit awkward reaching out and, and being honest with 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 them or, or or do you think um yeah i think that building site mentality doesn't lend itself to someone saying i'm not feeling particularly well at the moment um to give a bit of an up, another background i mean the, the catalyst if you want the catalyst to the problem to to his to taking his life was my mum died um, right. very very suddenly in the November and um, that's when things just took a turn for the worst for all of us because she was ill before that wasn't yeah, she quite a lot my mum had a, a, a long a long mental health il- illness she as I say since my my dad died when I was twenty four and after that my mum basically had more breakdowns. And I mean, people talk about having a breakdown, you know, they, they have a, you know, that they just can't cope for a while, but a real mental breakdown is, is ugly. And it's, um, you know, someone just gives up that that's the only thing I can say. It just gives up on life. And, um, you know, she needed hospitalization for, for, um, for her illness. And, um, she had to have electric shock treatment to actually get herself better in the end. Um, the last bout she had, she was in hospital for three years, um, and um, just basically was given, just gave up on life. But we got her back for a year. We got her back for a year, and I think that's what made it so much harder. I mean, she because she did die very suddenly. Um, what made it so much harder was the fact that we'd got her back, and then she was gone again. Um, this time, finally. So you're kind of saying goodbye twice. Um, and that, that was hard for me, very hard for me, but I'm, and I had a baby six weeks after she died. Um, and I had a young daughter, so I had to get on with life. I had to kind of push it down. And at the time it seemed like the hardest thing in the world to do, but I think that's what kept me going. Um, but you know, he didn't. And I think that's kind of, obviously he must've had some de- preposition to men- um, mental illness because not everybody, you know, goes down the road, route, route, the road that he did. But mm. um, 
sorry, I find it very hard to talk about. No, no, that's, um, that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I suppose you can't really underestimate the impact of having both losing both parents. You no, know, no matter how old you are, no matter how old you are, you know, you've lost you've lost your dad um, at a fairly young age, and then for your brother to, you know, let's say that he, he like yourself, he, he had some sort of um, depression thing going on and then you know to lo- to see your mum's her health go down and be in hospital for three years after three years and then suddenly and then losing her like that I mm. mean that must have had a huge impact on him mm. you know um and obviously obviously you know it did I mean I know it's very very I mean you know you're doing really well by the way you know <laughs> it's really hard to talk about this sort of stuff but can you talk about um the, the time it happened and 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 around that and and how you discovered and that sort of thing and and a little bit about uh, about just the, the actual um time he actually took his life well uh we kind of i knew something was up because um we were trying to get hold of him and i couldn't get hold of him um so my husband went round and went round to the house and and found him um, but as I say, I had a baby to look after at the time and, and a five-year-old, um, six-year-old, sorry. Um, so I had to kind of keep it together. I didn't go around to the house. I couldn't go around to the house, but, but my husband did. Um, and for, for my part, um, I, I think that people, people don't realize obviously when if you take your life then you're obviously at a point in your in your life where you can't see past that but what I would beg people to think about is the people that have to find you the people that you leave behind um because I first thing I said to my husband was I wouldn't blame you if if you left me because I feel guilty that my family member has now ruined his life because how will you ever get over finding someone who's hung themselves? Wow. How would you ever get over that? I don't yeah. know. Uh, and the thing is, if the thing is, I could have quite easily gone around and found him because I was actually prepared to go around there earlier. But as it happened, I had to get home for the children, so I couldn't. But it would have been me that found him, and I don't think I'd have ever recovered from that. No, no. So that's the sort of thing that I would beg someone to think about now I know when you're in the midst of a depression I've been there I've suffered from depression myself so I'm not talking out of turn I know how it feels to be hanging on by your fingers into that deep abyss but the way that I have coped is that knowing that when I'm at my lowest the sun comes up and the sun goes down and tomorrow is another day and there's always something that you can do on one of those days, if you get help, you will start to get better. Now, I kind of knew my brother wasn't very well. Um, I saw this, I saw some signs having suffered from depression and lived in a house where depression was dominant um, or there was a depressed person. I, it's a very hard way to describe it, but um, I could see the signs. I know the signs in myself when I feel myself getting ill and I know to get help. Um, and I did book him a doctor's appointment. I offered him to come and live with me, but I was wasn't in time. Um, right. A few days later, he'd he'd done it. So so le- so leading, the, you know, the, the, like the weeks before it, yeah. you, you could you could you could see something in him. In 
in not even the weeks. I think it was literally just a week or two before I could see the signs because I think before that I was probably too wrapped up in my own grief and wrapped up in my own uh, depression. I had postnatal depression as well. Right. Um, obviously, losing your mum after you just had a baby or before you was... If you had, you know, losing my mum that close to having giving birth was obviously a tr tragic time for me as well. Um, but I could see after a couple of weeks, uh, or a couple of weeks beforehand, I could see, yeah, I could see signs that he wasn't coping. And I booked him a doctor's appointment um, and he was going to come with me, but um, it, it was too late. Um so, but that's what I'm trying to get across and that's what I would like to get across to anybody out there is I'm not talking out of my bum. I've, you know, I know how it feels. Mm. I do know I've been there, um, but there is help. Yeah. There is help out there and you don't always have to feel like that. You don't have to feel, yeah. and it is not the easy way out. It is leaves other people. It, it affects so many other people, you yeah. know. Thing. But do you think part of the culture of being a man, being in Essex, um, do you think that is something that didn't really help him very much? And and is there is it something that we need to change? I mean, I'm not picking. By the way, listeners, mm -hmm. I'm not picking on builders. I'm no, not, no, you know, no. my dad's a builder. I come from that <laughs> that prestigious lineage. Um, I come from Essex, so I'm proud of my Essex roots. So so I'm not picking on Essex either. <laughs> but maybe I am talking or uh, picking on men because I yeah. I am a man and I know what we're like. And you're allowed to pick on a man because you're a man. Yes, yes, yes. You're yes. Allowed. Exactly. You have that yes. Privilege. I'm I'm part of the um <laughs> of the patriarchy. Um. So so so, so do you, do you think um there is something we can do? Like you know we we've spoken about like the workplace and stuff. But do do we need to? How do you think men um, need to sort of handle their emotions a bit better? I mean, do you know? Um, yes. Um, and yes, you say us women, we can talk about it more. Um, but I think as a society as a whole, we need to take on, we need to accept um, anxiety and, and you know, and, and, and that we, they have the grace of God go any of us. I mean... It's normal now, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the new normal, isn't it, basically? Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, I mean, the dynamics of the family have changed and things. Society is different now. I mean, you can listen to people. I've heard things, you know, on the on the radio that, you know, when there was people were in the war, they just had to get on with it and things mm. like this. Mm. Um, and the reason that you didn't really see people um, with depression back then is because they were institutionalised and they were locked away. Yeah. Um you know, we live in a, thank God we live in a different society now. And we, we, you know, we live, you know, that, that we're not locked away anymore. You know, the things are dealt with in a much better way. But, um, and I think we have to realise as well is that um, we've got to stop beating ourselves up. Yeah. Um, because um, obviously when I had my first baby, I got postnatal depression. And I used to beat myself up terribly thinking why, you know, why can't I cope? Why, you know, other people are coping. Mm -hmm. Why can't I cope? And it's it's not until you realise actually other people weren't coping um, that, they, that, you know, there's, there's no stigma about it. There shouldn't be any taboo about it. We we all are human. Yeah. And at some point in our lives, we are all going to feel that way. And we've got to learn to talk to other people about it, to realise that we're not, we're not a freak. We're not. The, we're not the only ones feeling like that. A lot of other people do. So it's a society. So it's a society as a whole thing, not just 
men. I don't think it's just, I think that men find it more difficult to talk about it. Of course they do. Yeah. But I still think it's the way that we think that we are viewed by the people that isn't helpful to, to men or women. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I suppose the, 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 I mean, the whole purpose of our podcast is, is, is because we've got that one, that one little pressure of, 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 you know, there's a, there's slightly more pressure on us to sort of having to, you know, put up a front and man up and and grin and bear it Mm. sort of thing. What I'm getting from this whole thing is, is the strong message that, um, that if you're someone who is sort of, you know, obviously if you're having suicidal thoughts, then you are not thinking clearly. Mm. You, you, you can't, you can't just say to them, you know, think about, um, this or, or yep. you, you know, it's, 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 it's nothing you, you, I mean, you, you know, you beat yourself up about whatever, but it pr- probably you could have done, you couldn't have done anything. Yep. And there's probably a lot of people that couldn't have done anything, but, um, you know, maybe there are people listening to this with, uh, suicidal thoughts. And I, and, and I, and I guess, um, the messages I'm getting is, uh, well, you should get is that, that you're definitely not alone. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a lot of people out there. So you're not a freak. There are people thinking, mm-hmm same as you but also um you know the impact that it does have on other people yeah. and family members and that is so is is definitely uh you know it's not the easy way out because of, no. of the legacy that you're that you're gonna sort of leave behind you know and it is a legacy that you're still dealing with now mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and um and as i say the thing that just if you are feeling that low just try and remember that it will pass that this feeling will pass um yeah. if you get the right if you get help if you just say you know i i need help and this is say there are people out there that, you know the samaritans and there's also um um i had some therapy not so long ago and they actually said if anyone is feeling suicidal just take yourself to a and e there is at that point when it's a crisis yeah. there is someone at that point where you can go and get help. And I know it's not easy. And but but neither is the alternative, is it? Oh really? So what what's the you know, the alternative to not getting help is certainly not the easy way either. Yeah. And there's um, lo- there's lots of th- on on our on our manupuk.com website there's loads of links for all different s- sort of help that, that that you can get whether you're male or female because mm-hmm. I mean obviously there's females that will listen to this as well. Um, Just remember the sun the sun will set on the day that you're feeling like that and tomorrow might be the day when you start to feel better. That's yeah. it worked for me and you know I I'm not just, uh, you know, I am talking from experience. I've been in that pit. I've overlooked the edge, but I, I got help and I'm, I'm here and I'm still here. Well, that's a nice, um, positive note to, to, to end it on any, anything else you want to say or your, um, regard regarding, I think, I think that's, I think we've covered quite a lot of it. I think so, you know, and don't be afraid if medication is offered to you, then it is a way, it is a way of making you feel better. If, If you, and I know it's an old cliche and people keep saying it, but if, if you had diabetes, you would take insulin. If you had yeah. um, a headache, you would take a paracetamol. You know, yeah. that is there. Those tablets are there to help you. And it, you haven't got to be on them for, for a long time either. No. It's just that to stop you feeling that awful, dark despair, which is how it feels, yeah. that stomach churning, it, will, it does go and the sun will rise and it will keep setting and it will set again and there is another day 
where you won't feel like that. Yeah. Well, Dawn, well, thank you very much for doing this for me. Thank you, thank for, you. for opening up to us. Give us a quick hug. Thank you. Oh. There we go. That's, that's, a, that's a podcast that's version a of a hug. Yeah, you can hear <laughs> that going. Um, and, you know, hopefully that will that will help some people. I and hope so. Yeah. And, yeah. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. But, um, yeah, like I say, thanks again. Nice. Hello, it's Tommy Danqua here, and I am in the wonderful Northamptonshire. And I'm here with Amy. Amy has agreed to come on the show. And I know you're very nervous, Amy, but thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Oh, I appreciate it. And um, uh, Amy, you have um, a brother who's been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Yeah. And, um, well, first of all, thank you for coming on the show and uh, you know, agreeing to tell your story. Yeah, I know you. I know you're nervous. I know you're nervous, but you know we're not gonna. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm here by myself, and he's not here. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, we're we're in Amy's um front room in uh, Northampton, Shear. Sorry, and uh, right here we go. So Amy, look. First of all, like tell us a little bit about you know growing up. How how were things growing up with you and your brother? Yeah, we used to spend a lot of time together. He was like my partner in crime sometimes. He used to like to hang around with older people, so he was always with my friends and he'd be hanging around on the park with my friends and stuff like that, getting up to stuff that he shouldn't have done. But he was just like a normal lad for his age, really, getting up to delinquent stuff and that. But, yeah, it was nice, nice. Oh, nice. So growing up, he was like a happy-go-lucky kid. You said he was, he was quite social? Yeah, very social. Like, yeah. he was always out there. He was more out there than I was, really. <laughs> Yeah, he was. Boys will be boys. Yeah. Oh, nice. And um, so, I mean, is is um like mental health? Is there any mental health? Do you have a history of mental health issues in your family at all? To be honest, that was the sort of like the first bit I ever really knew about mental health. So, um, as far as I know, there ain't no one in my family that had in anything similar to what my brother. You know, with it with his symptoms like hearing things and stuff like that. That was the first I'd know about it in our family. And um what sorry, so you said like, you know, first you heard about it was he was hearing things and whatnot. Uh, how old was he when, you know, um it sort of became like mm. uh, you know I forgot what the word I'm losing yeah, the words. I think he was around about seventeen ish, teenage, late teenager. Well, seventeen, around that age, because I remember moving out of Northamptonshire. And um, so I, d- I wasn't going around regular like I was. And then he came over to us and was having like a kid party or something. And it was like where he'd normally be in there in the mix of the party. He was like in the hallway, just uh, minding his own business, not very sociable. And I thought like, you know, is he all right? Is not his, you know, like the old brother yeah. that I remember, the old Ben. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like you said, um, you know, he he was always a sociable guy. He like would hang out with you, your friends more. So obviously yeah. you had a good connection. Yeah. Um so obviously when when did this when did it you know, you said you moved out to Northamptonshire. Obviously there was a bit of distance between you, I'm mm. assuming. Yeah. Um obviously you weren't talking as much. We well when um I had my first son, I used to see him every week because he'd babysit for me and stuff like that. Mm. So, yeah, when I'd moved away, it was like from like seeing him every week or every few weeks, I wouldn't see him right. for like one month to the other month unless my mum brought him over because mum would drive. 
so she'd bring them over. But yeah, it probably I can't even think how long it was, but probably a few months had passed in that time. But from what I could hear, like when I was speaking to my mum, it's like he'd be going up and down with his behaviour and stuff. So in that time, I'd moved away. When I was actually living in Northamptonshire, everything was okay with their relationship. He was all right. He was actually starting to work. I think he'd finished college or something. Well, um, started going to college, but then went to work. I can't really remember now. But um, I just remember he was hanging around with the wrong kind of people. And that's where he started dabbling in bits and bobs. And at first I knew from when he was a young age, he used to smoke a bit of weed and stuff like that. And he used to smoke his cigarettes and all that kind of stuff. But then when he got to, like, 15, 16, um, he had his heart set on music and stuff like that. And he, he that was it. When he was older, he was going to be a singer. Right. And that. So um, he used to hang around with these people who was into music and all that kind of stuff. But then they had another side to him where they'd be, like, into, like, naughty stuff and getting up to mischief and stuff like that. And just to clarify, um. Naughty stuff, we're talking about narcotics. Yeah. Okay. So before, he'd dabble in a bit of smoking, cheeky spliffs every now and again with his mates and stuff. But then, um, from what I heard, it was like more class A, like coke, and mm. didn't even know if he was on crack or anything, because then it's like where before he was all going out more. And then when I'd come and visit him, um, it's like he's just in his room and stuff and my mum would say that all he does is just stay in watches films and stuff like that where um, before it was like he was going to be he was going to do all this big stuff with music he was getting into that going to do that and it was like you know going through adolescence with that big goal that you're going to be famous and all that and it's really going to be easier than you think and then to leave school and then reality it's like right, I've got to j- jump through that hoop, jump through this hoop, and we promised so much stuff, and then nothing amounts to it. It just, like, knocked a lot of his confidence, I felt, and these lads that he was hanging around with before they was doing stuff together, <coughs> they was actually going out, doing gigs and stuff like that, and it was going all right, but then those lads, they got into drugs as well, and they was, like, selling them and doing all sorts for them, but then... They was, like, using my brother to get him to, like, look after his flat and things like that. And then things happened in the flat and they turned on him. So that's where I felt like they made, like, probably even bullied him into, like, staying in, like, sort of thing. You know, like, he just, and, like, probably even knocked his confidence with the music as well. Because they used to do things, but they had better opportunities, you know, like, one of the lads' fathers was, like, into the, on the music side, side of things. So he had more opportunities as well. Right. So, um, yeah, so I felt like around that time there, that was when I'd moved away. So all that stuff was going on behind the scenes. And then I'd have my mum ringing up saying that, you know, he's kicking off. He's, he don't want to go out. He's just like, whenever I try and get him to do something, he's just kicking off. And it was just like mood swings up and down. Yeah. So from from the time you said, you know, you noticed a change in his behaviour, like how how long a gap had passed until he actually sought you know professional help um i think um that probably went on for probably a couple of years i think it went on for probably a couple of years because um he was living at my mum's house and then it got to the point where my mum couldn't take it no more she made him get a flat mm. and then when he got his flat 
that's when we seen him that you know like deteriorating his behavior and isolating stuff like that mm. so i felt like it was over a couple of year period because then when we like went to his flat his flat wasn't like habitated for you know how he'd been living he just he just you know gone into himself and he was having mood swings where he was buying stuff and then selling it the next week we didn't know if he was actually on heavy drugs but when he got sectioned he actually um, didn't have no drugs in his system Right. Uh, so he, he don't even smoke weed or anything, you know? Okay. So, I mean, obviously seeing his flat and his flat being inha- inhabitable, like you said, mm. that was another warning sign for you. Mm. So from the se- from when you said he got sections, um, h- how did that come about? Um, I can't, you know, I can't really remember how it, you know, how it unraveled. I can't even remember if it was when I was in, um, I'd moved out of Northampton, but, um, it could have been when I was out of North. I can't really remember, but I just it feels like like a couple of years period, and then like yeah. or it could it could have even been longer. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember going to visit him. Okay, and and in that time, obviously, you've had a close relationship with him. You've you've done a lot of things together. Mm. You've moved away. He's now been sectioned. How does that affect you? How are you feeling mm. at this time? Well. It feels like I've lost my brother now, you know, because before it was like the fact, you know, we used to babysit every Friday night. It's like I had visions when this, when my child grows up, he's going to be taken in park and then eventually he's going to be taken him to the pub and he's going to be doing, you know, manly things. Yeah. And how my brother was, I always seen as when we was older, he was going to be raving together and, you know, just doing things like brothers and sisters do, you know. Yeah. And that's where it's like upsetting because the kids hasn't got a relationship with their uncle and, you know, like I was open for him to have kids himself where they could play together, you know, all those kind of things where you just feel like robbed and like I'd like for him to get the help that he deserves, you know. Yeah. Um, so obviously now, how long he's been in and out of the sort of system, hasn't he? Yeah. For many, how long now is it? 20, um, I think you said, off, off, you said like 20 years, I think, is it? Well, it feels, uh, I'd say... Uh, I'd say probably about twenty. I'd say about twenty years because he used to babysit my son, and my son's twenty two now. Yeah. So he was all right when he was a toddler. Yeah, he was all right when he was a toddler. So I'd say about twenty two years. Right. And um, so he had different diagnoses. There was a few different diagnoses before they came to the one about him being schizophrenia. Is that correct? I'm not 100% sure. My mum knows a lot more when it comes to his diagnosis. But yeah. it was like at first, we didn't know if he was just trying to work the system, you know, because the the old brother I know, he'd be outgoing and all that stuff where it's like, it was almost spoiled as a kid as well because he didn't have to do much stuff. So, like, he'd go out, he'd be outgoing, he didn't have to clean up, he didn't have to do no. But then when he got to that certain age, he had responsibilities. And like where normally seventeen year old would be going to college and then get a job and stuff. When it come to getting a job, it was like oh, things certain things would happen, so he wouldn't get a job, right. and that. So we didn't know whether or not it was just like because he wanted to just sit in his room and smoke weed all day, you know. And that's where we didn't know if it developed from him smoking so much weed at a young age, you know, because his brain hadn't developed yeah. properly. So we're not sure. 
Okay, right. And um, so current state, you know, like fast forwarding to sort of this, so you say you don't, your your children don't have a relationship with their uncle, which is something you're very sad about. Where Where is he in his sort of health at the moment? Um, he lives in a semi-independent living accommodation. Mm-hmm. Um, he has loads of medication and I feel like with that side of it, it's like, um, well, he lives in a semi-independent place, so we see him like every so often, like we see him at Christmas and stuff like that. We just see him at gatherings, really, like, when, it, when we're down my mum's house. That's all he does, really socialise. It's um semi-independent living place and then goes to my mum's. But then he'll go uptown spending. So And that's where you see him when he gets paid and stuff. He'll go and buy all his bits and bobs, latest mod cons and that. And then when he's skin a week later, he'll be all depressed and stuff like that. Okay, so there's like a pa- there's a pattern. It sounds like yeah. so payday. He's got money. He'll go yeah. and buy bits and pieces. When he's not got money, he sort of reverts back to. Mm. So we're not just dealing with schizophrenia. We're also dealing with depression as well. Yeah, yeah, because he's a compulsive bias, and then he he's he's like he's almost a bit like um you know like. Like a child, when it comes to money, he's got to spend it, spend it. And then the next week, say he's bought a telly for 300 quid. The next week, when he's skin, he'll sell it at a pawn shop for £100. Pound. Right. So it's like he forgets that concept about the fact that an adult would to, to budget. Yeah. He's got that element of, like, he's not as old as his age sort of thing. So, in... Um, in all the time that obviously this has been going on support wise um for yourself and your family you mentioned your mom how have what's the support been like for you i think it's been disgusted the services how they've been with my mom like to say at her age that she is she should be getting a lot more support and like we were just saying then about a trigger for my brother with his depression is the fact with his money and it's the fact that they give him so much money but they don't give him the skills to budget the money so he's just getting given all these hundreds of pounds and then it's like in a couple like a week later of his skin where really they should if there's in a, that sort of situation semi-independent they should be saying well here's 50 pound a week or you know like just help him with it rather than just chuck all this money at him because mm. as well like give him some sort of therapy where his budgeting is um you know like goal setting to give him like affirmate as aspirations you know because it's like he's got nothing to look forward to apart from payday and then as soon as that's been and gone that's it for the week so he'll probably just be sitting in his room like he was eating watching teller and then that's it he'll go and see my mom have some food then you know the cycle repeats and i just feel like the services should be doing more when it comes to helping with the you know like goals giving them things to look forward to so it can build up their confidence and build up their mindset, you know, rather than just pump loads of drugs into them, basically. Because for now, now with him on the medication that he is, it's like he sees visions as well. So um, wow. he'll be walking and it's like he's seen something, so then he can't walk and then he'll stop, then he'll walk back, then he'll stop, and then he's doing the same thing for a few minutes, just walking back and forward. And my mum's asked them what that's about, and they said it's a medication, but it's like, you know, it's just so strange. Like, now, I mean, so on our podcast, you, as you're aware, we talk a lot about stigma surrounding men's mental health and men's attitudes towards it. Um, 
you 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 told me one time that uh somebody you knew or somebody who knew your family saw Ben walking down the street and he was doing what you said, the sort of the repetitive, the OCD behavior of stopping, walking backwards and, and they, they recorded it or something? Yeah, it went on Facebook. So it posted online? Yeah. My friend had messaged me to say that she'd seen it on, online, but the person who had put it on, he didn't realize that was my brother. All so right. when I messaged him, he took it down and like apologized and all that. But it did go viral. There was like you know thousands of shares and yeah. loads of views and all that. And it's just sad, you know. So you, like our um our attitude towards men's mental health. I mean, for another lad to see this happening, record it, and put out. Do you do you think our attitude? has changed since you know the original diagnosis or are, are we sort of still stuck with this stigma of you know men being men and taking mm. taking the piss basically yeah yeah i mean what wh what do you think the of you know the male view on I this i feel i feel like there should be a lot more done out there to make people aware of it rather than just think they're crazy and mm. they might attack me and stuff like that you know but i feel like the practitioners working with them people need the education as well because um you know just pumping them with again pumping them with drugs that's why my brother's in the situation he is it's like he feels like he's not got his own mindset like at one point he weren't taking medication he was feeling better but then it's like then the voices return because i think that's why they gave him the medication to stop the voices but then when he's having the medication he's doing that behavior where he's walking back and forth but you know, sometimes you see when it'd be like your old your old brother and he'd be talking, asking you questions, where other time you feel like you've gotta keep asking him questions to get a conversation. Yeah. And that's what the sad bit about it is. Yeah. And you you've you've mentioned like his medication on quite a few occasions now. So do you would you do you think that the medication hasn't helped? Do you think it's made it worse? Mm. Do you for my brother, I feel like it has made him worse. For some people, it may agree with them and it might be the best option for them. But I feel in my brother's circumstances, if he would have had a consistent person working with him and he weren't pushed from one place to another, then I feel like he might have got the benefits of the services. But because there's never someone consistent like answering the phone when my mum's trying to get this sorted and they're saying they're going to do this and then next time they've not done that, um, I just feel like, it's been failed, really. So you feel like our mental health services have, have mm. actually let him down, let yeah. you down as a family? Mm. Definitely, my mum and my brother. Well, my brother personally, but then my mum as well, the support that she should have had, it's not been fair how she's had to near enough do it on her own because I've had my children and my sister's had hers, so we've been off with our own families and stuff like that. So when it comes to the blunt of everything, she's the one who's dealing with it. And it must be heartbreaking for her to watch the son go through that because it is her only son as well. Can only imagine. Mm. Can only imagine. My goodness. So, I, I mean, wow. I mean, thank you for the insight on how, like, you know, mental health, schizophrenia can have that impact on a family. Mm. Um, but, I mean, any for anyone who may have, like, a, an inkling or suspicion that they're relative or loved one might be going through this or may have a mental health issue like schizophrenia what would your advice be to them 
Um, it's a bit of a hard one because I'm still finding answers myself. Yeah. But um, for me personally, the things that I feel like my brother needs is, um, you know, aspirations, something to look forward to, planning and stuff like that. And I think for me, what I'm going to try to do more is try and get him involved with things, plan like, you know, like when we was younger, we used to always go like theme parks and stuff like that. I feel like we need to be planning more stuff for him to look forward to rather than think, right, to, I'm looking forward to payday or I'm looking forward to shopping, you know, just like, I think like the services need to be get doing more things for that. So say if they've got like a semi-independent living accommodation place, they should be doing like goal setting with the tenants. Because the thing at the minute, what my brother's going through is um, like animosity amongst other people that are living in there. And it's like the staff just shook it off. He's not getting enough support. So he wants to move out of there at the minute. Right. And that he's not feeling comfortable. He's feeling intimidated and things like that. And he's a fragile, even though he's a very big lad, he's quite fragile. So he's not getting the support there. So I feel like. Um, they should be doing like team building things and even doing trips with them, giving them things like the end of the month we're going to do a bingo. I don't really know as much what they do there, but you know, just little things to give them things to look forward to, and um, just to make give them confidence, social skills again. Because I find a lot of people when they are depressed, they ended up staying in, and you know, it's so easy to get into that habit of just watching daytime TV, staying in your chill out clothes eating junk food and they're all the things that are adding you know to the depression because you're not getting out seeing the fresh air and mixing and seeing happiness rather than the dull and stuff that's on teller because teller's depressing as well at times you know so yeah no yeah. understood understood well, listen look thank you very much for your time we really do appreciate it you're welcome um so just like one last thing on a positive because i know like obviously you you said you you have, um, you know, you're still figuring out things, you mm. know, it's, it's been a long process for you. It's been a long road, mm. but, um, you know, can you, can you give us any positives from the experience? Mm. Anything like, you know, that you would advise people if, you know, if they you know, have a relative that's like mm. not, not doing too well, or they're worried about mm. what, would, what would be your advice to them to sort yeah. of, you know, I think they, um, you know, like um, a lot of cognitive therapy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, like reversing the mindset and giving them, you know, like I was saying before, the positive things to look through. Because like when they're depressed, there's nothing positive about it sort of thing. Everything's just down. So I think it's like finding things for them to do. And I think meditation's good. A lot of people know who meditate and yoga, you know, like exercise and yeah. all that stuff try encouraging them to do things like that more and access fight for more you know like if they feel like they're just banging the head try and like you know even access your website with information and stuff like that but you know try and get as much info as you can just don't accept no when they've said they can't help you yeah amy you've been amazing i know you've been nervous thank you so much for your time and thank you for that shameless plug you gave us as well for the Man Up <laughs> <laughs> Men's Mental Health podcast. Oh, thanks, thanks a lot. All the best. We wish you, your family, and we really wish Ben like health. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Bye. Good bye, -bye. Luck. bye. Thank you.